You are now tuned in to one of the realest to do it. Welcome to Relevant Conversations. Hello and welcome to another episode of Relevant Conversations. I am your host, Mike Cornati. It's so good to be with you once again. I've got a really special show today. Uh, it's late, but you know, it's my birthday weekend. So, you know, everything kind of, it, it slows down a little bit on your birthday weekend. All right? I may have had a few. I don't know. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I went down to PC, had a good time with my family. That's what it's about. But yeah, I interviewed my sister. I thought that was really cool. Got to talk a little substance recovery and how that looks for her in Ohio and what she does. I've got a great monologue on passive aggression. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss that one. Talk a little bit of how the house of cards are falling for Biden. I don't think y'all realize how bad this Hunter Biden thing is. It's, it's bad, bad. China keeps flexing its muscles on us. I guess we're going to talk about that. Let's see what Pelosi's going to do. Chicago, things are heating up once again. I mean, I just don't, we got to do something. Chicago's, is, it's turning into Gotham City, y'all. And um, Bill Russell, a legend, like a super winner. That dude is one of the most prolific winners in sports history. We lost him Sunday. I think I'm ready. I hope that you are. Let's go. So, like I said, the House of Cards are beginning to fall around Joseph Biden. You know, it's no secret that during the 2020 presidential election, controversy and scandal, it surrounded Hunter Biden and his super shady dealings. I mean, we all saw what was happening on the TV. All right, emails were leaked. You know, a laptop was turned in. Uh, stories were flying around, but the media just ran cover the entire time for what I like to call the Biden crime family. Uh, let's just do like a little recap. So April 2019, Hunter Biden, he abandons his laptop at a repair shop in Delaware. Uh, yeah, for one, the media said it wasn't true, uh, but then they said the laptop wasn't even Hunter's to begin with. Uh, then they said that the laptop's findings, you know, they had to be like Russian disinformation, yada, yada, yada. You know how it goes from there. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous, but Let's look at some of the stuff that they found on the laptop. Here's an email from May 13th, 2017. It outlines an equity breakdown behind Hunter and his brother Jim's multi-million dollar deal with this Chinese energy conglomerate. It's the CEFC. That stands for the Chinese Energy Fund Committee. All right. The breakdown stated that 10% of this joint venture that was it was going to be held for what they called the big guy. Now, speculation led many to believe that the big guy was, in fact, Joe Biden, but then Democratic nominee for presidential election. That dude. Uh, the phony media, fact checkers, uh, all these people, they started saying that it was disinformation. Joe Biden himself said it was disinformation. He said it was Russian collusion. He laughed it off in front of millions in a live debate with Trump. And y'all literally acting like that junk didn't even happen. October 2020, this dude named Tony Bobolinsky, he publicly announces that the big guy was a reference to President Biden. He stated that Biden was aware of the dealings and he was involved directly in the deal. He was literally vetted to be the CEO, this Bobolinsky guy. Joe Biden did it on May 2nd, 2017, in a lobby bar of the Beverly Hilton with Jim and Hunter Biden present. 
Bobolinsky was a Navy veteran. He gave the FBI all of his messages and the documents relating to the Biden family deal. Then like a flash in a pan, the story died. And it was just like labeled a lie. It was, you know, conveniently right before the, the election. You know, I'm sure it had absolutely nothing to do with that. Now, what's important is this name. You got to remember this name. It's James Gilliard. Now, he is a former business partner of Hunter and Joe and, and everyone that was involved in all this corruption. All right. Now, he's prior a British former officer uh, of their intelligence. He, he has ties to the, to the UK intelligence services. I mean, he was the one who penned the infamous big guy email in 2017 that we talked about earlier. So he's like in a really, it's a really important name, James Gilliard. And uh, recently discovered strings of messages that were investigated on the laptop appears to have this Gilliard referencing Joe Biden once again as the big guy. But this time, it's pretty obvious. All right. Now, he stated concerning the CEFC uh, and their investigations that were beginning to take place. He said this, I think in the scenario that he, Joe Biden, wins, they would leave sleeping dogs lie. If they lose, honestly, I don't think the big guy really cares about that because he'll be too busy focusing on all the other shit he is doing. End quote. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty obvious. So you can say whatever you want, but the whole world can see right through all of this nonsense. Joseph Biden is involved in this corruption. Just wait, it's coming. Hunter is a threat to national security. How we don't already know this and how everybody doesn't already know this is wild. All right. We've only scratched the surface with this corruption. More is to come. Now, all I'm going to say is buckle up, America. November is coming. The truth can only stay hidden for so long. Now, in other news, uh, recently, our Speaker of the House, uh, her name is Nancy Pelosi. You all know her very well. Uh, she had, uh, there was some discussion concerning uh, her visiting Taiwan next month. Now, the announcement was not only met with extremely harsh warnings from the Chinese Communist Party, Chinese Communist Party, just saying that sounds bad. I just, whatever. All right, but Zhao Linjian, I guess is how you say his name, he is a spokesman for the Chinese Foreign Ministry. He said that her visit would be met with firm and strong measures taken against the USA. They've even spoke of shooting down the plane upon its arrival, which would be really hard to do because, like, we're going to have jets around that thing. So, I mean, good luck, dudes. Good luck. Whatever. Uh, don't you just love watching this communist nation flex its muscles on us? I mean, am I the only one that's like thinks this is ridiculous? Now, our frail president, you know, he's super frail, delusional, said that it would be a bad idea to go. Hmm. I wonder why, Mr. I'm not involved with any of these Chinese scandal dealings. All right. The chairman of the uh, Joint Chief of Staff, Mark Milley, he was actually quoted as saying, the message the Chinese military in the air and at sea have become significantly more and noticeably more aggressive in this particular region in recent years, end quote. And that's according to CNN News. Hmm. I wonder what has changed in recent news that has China thinking they can flex 
with no repercussions. I don't know. I don't know. Call me crazy. Now, it's rather shocking to me to see this kind of posturing being done by this communist nation. And then nothing but a little private conversation between Jinping and, and Biden to, you know, kind of smooth things over. Now, after that call Thursday, all right, uh, China's foreign ministry issued a statement and hat tip to the Washington Post for this information. They issued a statement critiquing the U.S. and this administration's attitude towards Beijing. Now, it went on to say that we firm, they said we firmly oppose Taiwan's independence, separation, and interference by external forces. Now, external forces, that's like, that's us. We're, we're external. Okay, so they firmly oppose us. And we'll never have space for Taiwan independence forces in any form, they went on to say. The statement indicated consequences for missteps on the issue of Taiwan and said, I hope the U.S. side can see this clearly, end quote. That's cool. That's cool. Speculation is continuing to rise that Pelosi will, that her visit will just like push things to the edge of the cliff and break the relationship's guardrails. And it's no no secret that Trump wasn't and still isn't a fan of China. All right. Now, Lu Shang, he's this uh, research director of the Chinese Institute of Hong Kong. He was quoted as saying that Trump was intentionally unpredictable, but Biden appears to be unintentionally unpredictable, making him extremely difficult to understand. <laughs> it sounds to me like maybe they think that he's like a dementia patient and that like maybe a growing number of Americans who think the same thing may be right. I don't know. I don't know. Now, I, I, I don't I don't give a dang what China thinks of our relationship with Taiwan, to be honest with you. And I, I reject the notion that we, the United States of America, are taking this kind of punishment from China. These orders, basically. I think uh, America is in need of some real leadership all right, that's willing to put the priorities of America before the benefits of China. Our allies, as long with our enemies, are beginning to see blood in the water. Now, how much longer do you really believe Joe Biden can manage to keep the most consequential bilateral relationship in the world from going blow to blow? You tell me. Now, in Chicago, things are certainly heating up as the assistant Cook County state attorney, his name was Jim Murphy, he resigned. Now, he stated in this letter to the state attorney, Kim Fox, that is, that was his boss, right? He said he can't continue to work for an administration that he does not respect and that her office cares more about political narratives than the crime victims. That's not good. All right. Now, this was after 25 years of service in this position. He said, I wish I could stay. He wrote, however, I can no longer work for this administration. I have zero confidence in their leadership. Now, apparently legislation that went into effect last year, it was hilariously called the Safety Act. All right? It generated this unmanageable working environment with minimal staffing, uh, overwork for everyone, high stress, and super limited resources. Now, according to the Chicago Tribune, all right, this Safety Act, it proposes all defendants charged with criminal acts should be released from custody without posting monetary bail. Bad idea. 
All right, if criminals violate their court terms, law enforcement cannot act until 48 hours after the mistrial. A lot can happen in 48 hours. The law also severely weakens habitual crime statutes, practically eliminating the three-strike rule. So you get about 37 strikes. All right, include that with this weakened and, and severely weakened and limited law enforcement, and it's like a recipe for a disaster. To make matters even worse, the law strips the prosecuting individuals of the state to no longer charge a criminal with felony murder. All right, this is the committing or attempt of a forcible felony that results in someone's death. Like maybe uh, your loved one was like maybe killed as a result of a drive-by shooting. Like if you could just like, hey, terrible. No felony murder charge for the gunman. None. Coincidentally, all right, Chicago has seen an average of 53.7 people killed per month in 2022. Not, not for the year, per month in 2022, all right? With irresponsible legislation continuing to be passed and incompetence from top to bottom in leadership, you cannot expect this great American city's morph into Gotham to slow down by any means. It's only going to happen much, much faster. <sighs> now, if that story wasn't sad enough, Sunday we lost a basketball legend bill russell bill russell is the most prolific winner in american sports history all right he passed away peacefully at the age of 88 he had his wife Jeannie by his side now bill is a two-time state champion in high school he is a two-time ncaa champion he was the captain right, of the gold medal winning u.s olympic team all right 11 times he was an NBA champion as a player, and he was at the helm for two NBA championships as the first black head coach of any North American professional sports team. In 2009, the award for the NBA Finals Most Valuable Player was renamed after the two-time Hall of Famer as the Bill Russell NBA Finals Most Valuable Player Award. In 2010, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is the highest civilian award that you can receive in this country All right, for his decades of activism. And, uh, dude, he, he called out injustice with an unforgiving candor, and he intended to disrupt the status quo, and he always did. All right, Bill Russell will 100% be missed. A basketball icon. So the older I get, uh, the more things are kind of changing, you know, with how I engage with people. Now, I'm not everyone's cup of tea, and that's that's really okay. I'm not always going to say or think or, or feel the same way that you do about things. And that's that's okay, too. Sunday, I turned 39 years old. And for the first time in my life, I actually feel free to be myself. I can finally speak my mind, stand firm on my position, and not have to worry about the collateral damage that comes from my words and my opinions alone. I mean, that's how it should be anyway, right, right, folks? Thank you, First Amendment. 
But let me just tell you, it most certainly is not. In the year 2022 alone, I've had more people complain to leaders in my life concerning my opinion or my position about debatable topics that you could ever imagine. It's been crazy. I've been called a proud boy, labeled a bigot, been told my support of our founding fathers makes me a rapist sympathizer. I'm apparently insensitive, homophobic, un-American, which was the funniest of the insults hurled my way. Apparently, I don't care if people die, and I hold some form of responsibility for not being a fan of Fauci, implicitly a fan of Fauci. I've been called a racist, a conspiracy theorist, and I'm running out of conspiracies at this point. I've spent multiple outings in Facebook jail, twice for the use of a clown emoji, which I really like to use. <laughs> I, I've had people say that they felt like they were in danger of, around me, you know, like all five foot five of me. All right. And as of lately, I have been labeled as passive aggressive, like three times I've been labeled that. <laughs> Now, we're talking like fully grown adults, so hurt, so wounded by the idea that people don't think like them and don't jump all in every time the new thing arises or or they don't spend their days finding countless ways to be offended by activism. Like, I, I that's what we're talking about. What's even worse is this like get out of jail free card that like these folks, they, they have the pleasure of utilizing. Not me. I mean, it's free game for them. And it's not just everyday you and I as I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about like stuff local like that we deal with. It's leadership all the way up to the to the White House as well. It's truly sad. All right. And the likeness to Charmin's soft tissue paper that your life is embodying, it's not a quality that I want associated with me. I I, I really just don't see I don't see it like you do. I, I just I don't get it. Your desire for drama. Right, has spilled into your politics, and you've inexplicitly compromised your moral compass to live your life as a full-out, modernized Pharisee, unwilling to believe truth or question immoral activity. Your, now I'm using air quotes here, right, passive-aggressive, end air quote, accusation is nothing more than just this manipulative tool that you have handy to help you cope with your heightened insecurities and your overly sensitive nature that will inevitably be the very thing that keeps you from moving on from it. Maybe you should take a little inventory of your life and ask this very, very simple question. Do I ever take any responsibility for my actions or am I always playing the role of the victim? If you're constantly offended, constantly worried about what everyone else is thinking about you, and constantly engaging with people you can't stand for the sake of activism, maybe this politics thing isn't for you. Be more like, uh, I don't know, like an adult and realize that words are not weapons and a lack of words aren't a weapon either, okay? I'm a conservative. And I'm an unapologetic conservative at that. All right. It's not the people that I follow. It's policy. It's leadership. It's unwavering dedication to the United States Constitution and this republic it represents. My trust is in God and the mouthpiece he's equipped me with will not be silenced by any mob intent on the destruction of this great nation. 
stop with the shenanigans and find somebody else to hurl your ridiculousness at because I'm telling you, I am not the one. And I think it's evident at this point, I'm going to clap back anytime you come sideways on social media. I'm going to do it. Now, aren't you bored? I mean, don't, don't you feel like time could be spent so much more efficiently if you just chose to keep scrolling? <laughs> like, maybe you really do believe you're fighting some moral battle for the good of mankind. I, I don't know. And I don't care. I'm curious. Who, who, who are you, you going to tell now? Well, I can't get in no more trouble. All right. You can love me or you can hate me. But it says something about you when you can't live without me. Keep on trolling, my friends. Just try not to get so offended the next time you pop on my page. Right. And understand, you have the power to not see my opinions on social media. And if you do engage, know this, you're still very valuable to me and especially to the Lord. I don't hate you because of your opinion. All right? I would jump into a burning fire to save you from harm. Guaranteed. Never in a million years would you ever see me holding the match. I, I, I feel like that should be pretty obvious. But I guess at this point, it wasn't to you. So just know that. So today we have a bit of a surprise. I have my sister, Jennifer Cornati. She is down in Georgia visiting for about a week. We're going to go spend some time at the beach. I get to see the family. My nephew's down here too. Super excited about that. Um, she, why don't you go ahead and just explain everything that you do. Um, maybe some, some of your certs, just maybe your qualifications. Okay. Uh, well, like you said, my name is Jennifer Coronati. Um, I've been working in the field of human services for approximately 11 years. Um, I do have an associates in applied science, which is based off of, you know, human services, social work type type stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I acquired my CDCA, um, which is a chemical dependency counselor assistant around the year of 2014, something that was dear and near to my heart. Right. Um, in addition to that, I'm also a qualified mental health specialist. So it, with, with my uh, associates, I can work in a, a wide arena of you know, needs that are out there in the world today. That's pretty cool. Well, I will tell you this. Do not try to, um, you, you don't know my mental state, so just leave me out of it. <laughs> but no, we'll just jump right into some questions. Okay. I have you down here. I want to ask some questions. You know, last week I had uh, somebody come on and we talked about, you know, the epidemic in, in America with opioids. And we talked about, you know, some of the harm reduction tactics that she uses to try mm -hmm. to really help. And, and this is going to be a little different. So I'm excited about mm -hmm. it. So you ready to jump into some questions? Sure. Absolutely. All right, here we go. Let's go ahead and start. Uh, Working with individuals uh, through recovery, I know, is is not an easy thing to do. Uh, what would you say was or, you know, maybe still is your inspiration for doing this work? Well, I don't know if I can say it was, that was more. A big, that was a big breath. Right, right. <laughs> it's a taxing, it's a taxing job. But I would say from a very young age, I just knew I had a, a severe passion for people, right? Right. Even in high school, I was a peer mediator, just always kind of wanted I to help people. I was a peer mediator too. What? Okay. okay. You were, that's right. Um, so I just always had. That, so I was your inspiration. No, I'm just maybe, kidding. Just maybe, continue. Maybe a little, Michael. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just always had a passion for helping people, um, you know, just resolve differences. Like we don't need to be fighting in, in school at, at this age. Um, it wasn't really until about 2014, um, that I really got into the alcohol and drug administry. And, you know, you know, as, as well as I do, you know, we lost a, what I call an unearthly brother, um, to, uh, 
an, an unexpected overdose. Yeah. Um, it just kind of came from left field. And so at that point in time, you know, with me having two children growing up in, in this world, um, I chose to, you know, educate myself on, you know, opioids, heroin and the, and the effects that it can have uh, on, on people. And so just developed a passion. I did. I just developed a passion. I just wanted to, I wanted to stop seeing people die from this horrible disease. Yeah, it really was terrible. I mean, she's talking about my friend shape. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's probably one of the most traumatic things I ever went through. Um, a dude, he was like a brother. So definitely, yeah, man, definitely. for sure. Well, that's awesome. And I'm glad that you do that. Cause you know, I, I'm really kind of the same way. I love helping people. You know, we do, we're outreach oriented, Absolutely. you know, in our house. Um, it's just something that we've always enjoyed. Uh, I mean, it's necessary. Like I, I'm just a really firm believer that if you if you and we talked, I talked about it last week. But one of those things where, when you stop worrying so much about what everybody else thinks about you, you stop worrying so much about, you know, spending your time to try to make people happy, and you, and you use that time instead to focus your energy helping people. Um, man, it's it's therapeutic. It's like it's the best. It's the best medicine even for you. Like because we all struggle, we all have things that we're, you know, having a hard time with, and just being able to get in the community and serve it helps even with that. So that's awesome. Amen. Keep it up. Okay. Yes. So in two, 2021, uh, the U.S. saw 107,000 people who died from, you know, drug overdoses caused by fentanyl, other synthetic drugs of that nature. Are you seeing any substance, you know, you work in Ohio, are you seeing any substance there that is just kind of taken over the streets? You know what? No, not really. Um, it's more poly substance anymore. Um, it used to be a heroin epidemic epidemic but now it's 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 every substance out there um, we have folks that come into my facility um, who are, you know are wanting to work towards opiate you know re healing from opiate use disorder right but they ha they don't even have a trace of heroin in their system right um, it's methamphetamines it's ecstasy um, crack cocaine has become very prevalent in in Dayton and on the streets um, and so you just never really know what you're getting these days so mm -hmm. no I would not say that I see more of one substance versus the other, it's 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 a lot of poly substance going on. Man, that's so crazy. You know, I, it's like it's it, it, they always find a new way to make drugs more dangerous. They do. And then so basically, what you're saying is, it's kind of like whatever people can get their hands on is basically what they're doing. Is it, what they're doing, and they're playing re Russian roulette every oh, single day yeah. with their lives because they don't know what they're getting. They People are, are, are making synthetic pills that are that have benzodiazepines and ecstasy and buprenorphine and naloxone and cocaine all mixed into this one tiny pill that you think that you're buying off the streets thinking it's a Vicodin or a Percocet, and it's not. Mm. It's all of the above, and so it's a very scary, scary thing. It is scary, and we got kids out there, man. It's like It ain't like what it used to be. Uh, I'll tell you right now, keep doing what you're doing. I, I think it's great. Uh, okay, well, let's say let's say that you know I was like a person that you know was struggling with some type of substance or whatever, and mm -hmm. I came to your facility and was like, "Hey, I need some help." What would be uh, my road to recovery? Like, kind of what would it look like? Can you kind of walk us through maybe how that would be for me if I came to your spot? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, if if you were to the point in your life where you could acknowledge that you had a problem, uh, first and foremost, you would have to be detoxed. So, in order to get into our facility, you are not allowed to have a trace of any substance in your system unless it's from a medical facility going through a detox. Right. At that point in time, you would have an assessment. Uh, more than likely, you would be placed in our PHP program, which is our partial hospitalization unit. 
um, where it's a very structured um, environment. There's a, a very minimal m movement. You can't go to outside meetings. You're, you're doing, you know, seven groups weekly, three hours each. You know, you're seeing a counselor, you're seeing a nurse practitioner, you're seeing uh, the doctor and, and case management to right. you know, help eliminate so whatever kind therapy of therapy too. Yeah. And yeah, therapy yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. You're seeing your counselor weekly. Um, and so after that, after you uh, graduate the PHP program, you'll move on to intensive outpatient programming, which is about 120 days. It's about a six-month ordeal, depending on, you know, how well you are doing in your recovery. You know, if you're not willing to work it and sit and stay and remain teachable, you know, there's consequences that come with that. But that this program um, is very intensive. It's a little less intensive than PHP, obviously. You're going to be attending the same amount of groups, um, but just a little less. Um, so about so five groups So they kind of put more of the responsibility on, yeah. on the person and not so much like, you have to do this. These are the rules. I mean, you still have rules, but... I mean, they got to come to the meetings on their own. If they don't, hey, you're just not. You're not yeah. So to we're do a sober living environment. So if you aren't coming to programming, programming is what allows you to stay in housing, right? right. So you have to comply with that and be willing to engage, right? So um, IOP allows you to have a little bit more freedoms. You are allowed to go outside and, and work a program because treatment is very different than recovery, right? right? Treatment is what you get inside a facility. Recovery is what you do outside of that. You go to 12-step meetings. Um, you try to obtain a sponsor. You find a home group. You do service work, things like that. So in our IOP program, they're allowed to do those kinds of things. Mm. Um, once they graduate IOP, um, that's exactly what they do. They graduate. We have a very significant, uh, very lovely ceremony for all of the folks that graduate successfully. Do they wear a cap and gown? They do not wear a cap and gown. I think you guys should get cap and gowns. We do encourage them to dress nicely too, but you know, okay. we, we're a very, you know, you see a very diverse, uh, you know, population. So uh, we do encourage them to dress up, but sometimes we don't get that. But That's what's cool, really man. special. They graduated. They graduate. It don't matter. And they, they ask for somebody, they ask for three people actually who, um, you know, help them in their road to recovery and really kind of touch their heart during that process and so they'll ask somebody to present them it could be a counselor it could be a case manager and they give roses out Aww. um and then whoever's presenting them just kind of tells their story you know yeah. like you know this person was really bullheaded in the beginning but really just transpired into a beautiful young man who he knew he could be he just never had that person that could tell him that he could do that you know what i'm saying yeah. so it's a, it's a very amazing uh process and um then after you graduate we offer uh, our transitional housing so our transitional housing is a six-month basis. For the first two months, um, it's free rent. Oh, wow. You still have to go free to... Free rent? It's free. It is free, right? Um, so the first two months, like I said, um, we encourage them to get a full-time job. They still have to go to programming. But at that point in time, they're dropped down to our SOP level of care, which is just known as supportive yeah. outpatient programming, right? Yeah. You so stay they, in there. You just stay in their lives, basically. Yeah. Yeah. We just, you know, we, we got to have that communication. You still need that psychoeducation. Some people become very complacent when they get, when they get to this stage of recovery and it can be really scary. Oh yeah. Um, so, so, you know, maintaining that engagement and stuff is very important. And so after the two months are over, um, they pay $400 a month for four months and, they're working with case management three to four times a week to try to, you know, eliminate barriers to, you know, just reframing their life pretty much from the ground up, right? Because yeah. they've lost everything due to the yeah, addiction. So for sure, for sure. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful program. It literally is, is a full circle, and that's what we're called is full circle recovery. Hey, I like that. Okay, yeah. no pun yeah. intended. A little full circle. You stay in their lives from start to finish. Absolutely. I like it. Okay, yeah. well, uh, Saying that, uh, I can see where you would become very emotionally attached maybe to uh, some of the folks that are going through your program. 
Um, how do you how do you manage that? Like, do you as do do you find like time for yourself? Like, how do you make sure that you're mentally capable of doing your job without like, oh, man? Because I'm telling you right now, I, we have attached ourselves to folks who who we've you know worked with and outreach, Absolutely. and it's it's like it's terrible, man. Like, but then it's awesome too. Like, so mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit about that. It's a week to week basic basis uh, type ordeal for me. Um, you know, not every week is as hard as others, but it can be very taxing. Um, yes. I hear a lot of, of traumatic stories and we carry that vicarious trauma. I think it takes a very strong individual to be able to, you know, leave that stuff at work and not bring it at home. But self-care is number one, not only in recovery, but in our day-to-day life, right? So right. I make sure I eat well, I'm getting enough sleep. Um, if I need to talk to somebody, if, if I lose a client or something happens, you know, being able to have those, my own social support system um, to be able to carry me through those tough times. But, you know, hey, I'll, get, I'll go get my hair done. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll go get for a bike ride. Yeah. I'm a nature person, so, you know, that really helps me a lot. But... You just got to take care of you because if you can't, how good are you going to be for others? Yeah, right? you can't do. You can't like fill up somebody else's cup if your cup's like empty. Yeah, Absolutely. so yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, um, I'm telling you, self care is important. Um, man, there's a lot of self care going on. I think my kids have mastered the self care thing. <laughs> right. Um, they seem to be really good at that. Uh, well, okay, so there's like a gajillion different techniques uh, that people use for recovery. Um, you know, like I said last week, I had somebody on the show. Uh, and, and what they're doing is amazing. In two years, they've seen 17 people that are now in long-term recovery or completely abstinent from drugs. So it's that's amazing. Ama- yeah, it is. It really mm. is. Um, so w- like, have you guys seen like, you know, big success rates with your program? And, and when I say success rates, I mean like long-term recovery to me, y- you're, you're walking in success at that point. Um, maybe not forever. Yes. Anything can happen, but it, you're, you're, you're moving in the right direction. Uh, and, um, do you have like maybe like a good story? Well, what I can say to that is I think that there's a lot of uh, individuals, clients, whatever you want to call them today, that um, are successful in their recovery as long as they have what they need to mm-hmm. maintain it, right? Right. Um, obviously, I've seen a lot of success. Uh, actually, where I work, a lot of our, our employees are actually went through our program, wow. right? So it's amazing, you know, that they, they've gone. Oh, you wait, they went full circle. They literally did. They, they did went full, full circle, circle they and now they're... <laughs> Now they're giving back and, you know, taking that initiative and trying to, you know, help, you know, save lives during this horrible time. I mean, this is, it's a serious ordeal, but I mean, I think my, my, uh, you know, my associates that I work with are, are, are just proof that recovery is real and it's beautiful and there's always going to be light at the end of that tunnel. For sure. For sure. And, and like they become huge assets too. Cause I mean, like, I mean, they've been there, they can walk with those people and they like can. build trust immediately. I mean, right. they just, they know all the, I don't know, man. I, I think that's really cool. It's so much better when you can talk to somebody that you can relate to. You well, know? when you, when you talk from experience, exactly. Yeah. When you speak from experience. Okay. Well, uh, so shifting gears a little bit. Um, so, a majority, if not all, uh, people that are struggling with recovery, there's there's some trauma that's that's typically attached to it. So in saying that, uh, eight years ago, you and I, we lost our mom. She mm-hmm. uh, lost her battle with cancer. Uh, it was very, very difficult. Now, do you believe that the trauma that, that you experienced in that, do you think that it has helped you to walk with other people in their trauma? I think that it has helped me significantly. I don't even think that I would be the woman that I am today had I not experienced that. Yeah. You know, uh, not only did we lose mom, but I was going through a divorce at the time. And so I was kind of being hit with a double whammy. Right. And so yeah. I was given like the no choice. No whammy, no whammy, double whammy. Bam. Right. So I was given the choice to either 
throw my hands up in the air and give up, which I almost did, yeah. or use this as a learning mechanism. And I got myself into church. I mean, I was, I was on my knees. I was saved. And, um, you know, crazy as it sounds, I became a marriage works instructor after that. Um, I educated myself in regards to depression and loss and grief. Um, yeah, I think we all went through a lot. Of yeah. That. You know, tough, I, I easily so. could have been the person sitting next to me every day at work. Right. right? And yeah, I recognized sure. it and I, and I was slipping a little bit, but I, I used it as a, I call it a blessing in disguise, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I do think that it helps me a lot with clients because I can relate to loss and grief and I understand those stages. Um, and a lot of times that's what drives people, like you said, to want to use, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, like, I, I don't think that. That's the crazy thing is that every single person I have talked to who is struggles with a uh, substance, they all have a story. You know, Absolutely. like my, my guest last week, this is what really blew my mind. It was like, nobody wakes up in eighth grade when they write down the things they want to be when they get older and says, yeah, I want to be an addict, you know, no, oh man, I want to struggle with substance. No, oh, I want to, you know, have to go through, you know, losing my, I mean, she was 50, like way mm, too young to way. be leaving the earth. So, mm -hmm. and I'll tell you, like, uh, it was, man, that whole thing was different for you and me. You know, you were still there in Ohio. You were, you were dealing with, I mean, I had to be a lot more difficult and I'll tell you, you know, I, I handled it different. I went through a, a hardcore, I mean, I'm talking a hardcore depression. I just didn't really want to talk about it. I didn't really mm -hmm. tell a lot of people about it, but you know, inevitably I had to go and, and, and talk to some people because it, it just got to where, you know, I, I needed an outlet and I easily, like I easily could have become somebody, I mean, dude, I lost two friends to it. I know that they had traumatic experiences that were, right. that were, you know, the same, right. or if not like painful, you know, car accident type experience, right, stuff like right. that. And it's just like, man, I can't, I can't just tell you how grateful I am that uh, I'm in a place now where, you know, I, f I feel better. I, I, I can walk through those traumatic experiences with like a whole new perspective. Like I just, I know that I can help people now. Like I wouldn't have been able to if I didn't experience that mm -hmm. stuff. So I'm glad that you're working. You know, hey, you, you get to have your sister on your podcast. Like you mm -hmm. got to take advantage of it. Oh, right, well, I do have one, one last question. Um, who do you think mom and dad's favorite kid was and why do you believe that it was me <laughs> <laughs> oh no you didn't yeah i mean because um is it do you think it's the podcast do you think it like, might maybe it might be. i think i might be up there in the winnings i know here, listen here you spend, you spend a lot of time you spend a lot of time in ohio because you live there yeah all right but i i had four four kids so i got i'm winning that right you are I'm i have two that. i'm way better i'm way better looking Ah, I don't know. Some people might might. Nobody disagrees. Uh, I listen, guarantee listen, you. Listen, <laughs> we do facts here on relevant conversation. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, look, Jenny, I thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it's not easy, um, as you can see. But you know, I, I really am grateful for the stuff that you're doing. I know that you, you listen. When Mom passed, I know it was tough. You know, it was a roller coaster up and down. There was a lot of different things going on. Uh, but I do believe that you are really in like a good place. So I'm super happy about that. Glad Thank you got you. to come down. Thank I'm you. really looking Very forward much. to going to the beach. Absolutely. Because listen, can't you wait. can't, you don't come to Georgia and not make a trip to PCB. Like it's like everybody does it. We'll probably see everybody there. All right. I'll be gone by the time you hear this podcast. I'm leaving there Monday, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We were in the same place. Not to mention we're going to be celebrating your birthday. So that's I want not, to throw that out there listen, a little bit. July uh, 31st. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, I'll it's be. a big day. The big three nine. And yeah. I'm getting i'm getting up there almost almost to that hill but not not quite huh? not quite well you're right behind me so hey thanks again yeah, and uh, i really had a good time yep thank you all right all right
I want to thank you guys for listening to this show. I, I'm not going to lie. This one was kind of tough. Um, you know, that monologue was a tough one, was a tough one to do, you know, but I stand by it. I, I, I really do. I am unapologetically a conservative and I don't care. Like I believe that truth will find its way to the top. I believe a lot of y'all are being fooled and that's cool. I don't hate you for it. All right. But don't hate me for not being with y'all. I mean, this is it. We can have our own opinions and do our own thing. I want to thank my sister again for coming on the show, talking a little bit of substance recovery. I think it's neat to see how everyone's doing it. I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Uh, and above all else, God bless America. <laughs>